You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Welcome to Inside Healthcare, presented by NCQA. I'm Alec Bose, and we are here with Mariatu Taylor. She is a manager with the Quality Solutions Group and serves as a principal project manager for the Health Equity Innovation Incubator Project, a contract with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services and Office of Minority Health. She also conducted interview surveys with healthcare systems about how they approach and provide culturally and linguistically appropriate services, or CLASS for short. She was a co-lead on a task which supported Office of Minority Health's effort to form a health equity collaborative. By education, she is a medical anthropologist. Before NCQA, she worked in the clinical research at John Hopkins University and managed a women's health clinic, and she is also a registered respiratory therapist. Quite the resume. Uh, Mariatu, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Alec. So one of the things that I thought about when coming to you about this was we are in the business of improving health care, but one of the challenges with health disparities and social determinants is that it's not 100% medical. It's also cultural. It's also social. So I guess sort of just to begin the conversation, why do we have these disparities and uh, how did this inequity begin with? Okay, so I think to start, we should talk about what are health disparities, right? And there are differences either in health status or health outcomes or health care experiences um, between different groups. Many people feel like they are preventable. The differences that we see, you know, you can't necessarily explain it away totally by anatomy and and physiology, right? There are other factors that kind of affect health and um, that are causing these differences, mainly social determinants of health. And they include things in our environment, whether whether it's cultural or um, religious or social, societal, and our experiences with these systems, those impact our health, our wellness, our well-being, and our health outcomes. When we talk about health equity, I really like to give a, a contrast between equity and equality, right? Equality is giving the same to each person, right, regardless of need. Equity, on the other hand, has to do with your need and then giving you what is needed for everyone to then become at a level playing field or the same level. Does that answer your question? No, no, it does. It absolutely does. And I actually am glad you sort of ended on that term equity versus equality, because I think we tend to put those terms together. We tend to use them interchangeably. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you mentioned that. So when you talk about equity amongst populations, what are some of those common health equity concerns that we see? And what are those those certain populations that we see struggling with these health equity concerns? Right. So there could be disparities in equity when it comes to access to health care and health care services. And then on the peripheral, uh, when we're talking about the social determinants of health, differences or equity in experiences with our legislative system or our um, judicial system, education, employment, housing, access to healthy food, um, all of these factors affect our health and health outcomes. So you're talking about specific populations, and I mean, we can go with the, the norm that we usually think about, which are like racial and ethnic minorities, but then there are other sex of our population that do experience disparities as well, like those with disability, immigrant populations, elderly or aging populations, low income, low educational attainment, things like this, Mm -hmm. health literacy. 
And it seems like you just listed a, a bunch of social determinants of health. And are there any of those that you would consider things that people don't normally think about when they think about those social determinants? Maybe they tend to sort of think about, oh, uh, you know, I know about the racial and ethnic uh, concerns, but they may not know how being an immigrant impacts uh, their health concerns, or they may not understand how uh, not having certain educational attainment may limit their access. Can you uh, speak on that a little bit? Right, certainly. So actually, when we go back to and talking about what are disparities and what causes disparities, and we're talking about one particular population, you said immigrants, um, it's really interesting. There's a phenomenon called the immigrant paradox. It is how the health status of immigrants change the longer they are in our country. Now, there have been studies done specifically around maternal health and uh, birth outcomes, and women who are newly Um, immigrated to the United States. They have better outcomes or similar to those of our majority group, um, which is non-Hispanic white. But the longer they are in this country, their health status then begins to resemble those of of a minority population or the other. Things like that, immigration status, English as a second language, um, transportation, even neighborhood is something that people wouldn't think about. Um, It's not just um, your proximity to um, a healthcare provider, but also, is your is your neighborhood safe? Is it walkable? Can you exercise? Can you get fresh air? Or do you live in a food desert where there aren't healthy um, sources of um, nutrition around? So mm-hmm. um, these are some factors that I think people may not consider as um, impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we look at those things and we see, oh, how can we help? How can we do something to sort of see that these sort of factors are addressed? And we can sort of talk about the policy aspects in this next answer, but how is the healthcare community, what is what are they doing to address this? And more specifically, what are we at NCQA doing to sort of specifically look at that and address it as well? Mm-hmm. So I think the healthcare community, we've been aware of, of these, these factors that affect health um, beyond just your anatomy and physiology. But there's a, a limited jurisdiction, if I can um, word it that way, of the healthcare system and how mm-hmm. far we can go. I think more recently, healthcare systems and providers are really starting to capture social determinants of health with their health assessments. We now have ICD 10 codes, the Z codes you can use to then code um, these different social determinants of health. Those are some aspects of how the healthcare community is addressing it. Also, the use of community health workers and really being able to be in touch. And, and understand the population that you're serving. NCQA has a multicultural distinction program. It helps plans and providers assess how they are providing good quality health care to populations that may experience um, health disparities or inequities, how they are providing these culturally and linguistically appropriate cultural competent services. That is one thing that NCQA is doing. This is a a project that's close to my heart because I work on it, but um, (laughs) we are involved in the Health Equity Innovation Incubator Project, and we work on behalf of um, CMS or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Office of Minority Health. And I like to kind of sum up what we do in this project in four words. So investigate, illuminate, elevate, and eliminate, right? So we investigate through using federal surveys and data sets what is the nature of and the scope of health inequities and health disparities, right? And then we illuminate it by raising awareness to the problem through our findings uh, that we investigate and do research. We provide this information to CMS and other federal entities so that hopefully it will impact policy. And then 
the ultimate goal is to then eliminate health disparities and inequities. What are some of the challenges in capturing and sort of identifying those social determinants and then sort of treating them maybe not from a health perspective, from from a uh, counseling perspective or from a uh, uh, an advice perspective? So what, what, what are some of the challenges with working with communities and working with patients and addressing those social determinants? So some of the challenges are, like what I said um, earlier, is healthcare and, and it has a certain jurisdiction, right, and where we, we work and what we can do. And these social determinants of health are often outside of the healthcare delivery system. And so it is challenging to then kind of coordinate the care and integrate these community and social um, programs that may help to address these um, social determinants of health or areas that are deficient. Another challenge is that while I think many providers believe it's important to know about the life and the lifestyle of their patients, often they don't have time to collect this information. Um, or if they do, it's not necessarily in a very standardized or consistent way, right? Mm-hmm. One healthcare entity may collect, you know, age and race and that's it. And then others may ask more questions about like, how many people are in your household? And, you know, do you have access to healthy food? And how far do you live from a public transit um, that you can get to our office? You know, do you have a regular source of employment, you know, all of these other familiar support. How, you know, are you married? Do you have someone who can help you with recovery and, and your care? These are these are the challenges. And then getting these policymakers and other entities on board to kind of work in a collaborative manner is also challenging. You know, we work in silos almost. Healthcare, we do this. And social services does this. And policymakers in the legislative branch, they do that. And so if we could integrate all of these together and all kind of work together in the same direction, um, I I think that that would be a way to um, address this problem more efficiently. So we've talked a a good amount about what uh, providers can do, what policymakers can do, what we sort of as healthcare institutions can do. But we also uh, recognize that this is sort of something that's within the community, within something that's not necessarily with always within the control of doctors or policymakers. So what are some things um, that communities can do to sort of take action um, in terms of addressing these concerns, not just before they go to the doctor, before they see a specialist, before they get involved in the healthcare system? I think it's like an investment in human capital, right? And understanding your residents and your population and really valuing the people that live in the community. From that understanding and that concern and that love of the people, then you would bring in resources that are necessary to address these um, desperate areas or deficient areas. So investing in affordable housing or bringing business to your community that would provide services to the residents that live there. This is kind of a two-pronged answer. I think on one hand, it's very important to bring businesses and to invest in, in certain areas, but then you also have the 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 issue of gentrification, right? And um, when you bring certain businesses into um, areas that kind of bring up the economic status of that area, often that pushes out and marginalizes um, those who are in most need of advocacy and care and their needs addressed. So this is a difficult question to answer, but I think ultimately it is understanding the residents and investing in their well-being. So sort of going a little bit further, um, past just what 
communities and what certain populations look like. What would a healthcare system that's fully addressing the needs of these populations, what would a, equi- a fully equitable system of healthcare look like? Right, I was going to say, really, this is about this idealistic dream, right? And it's <laughs> like pie in the st- sky and rose-colored glasses I'm looking through. Um, but every person who interacts with the healthcare system has access to the same quality of care and has the same chance to then achieve their best optimal health. I think that's what a more or what an equitable healthcare system would look like. I guess sort of to round this conversation out, what do you think is the next step based off of the work we've done, based off of the work you've done, and based off of the work the system in general has uh, produced? What do you think is that next step in producing a more equitable healthcare system? First and foremost is to recognize the importance and the impact that these social determinants do have on health. There are plenty of of people who are are involved in efforts to really make a, a business case for why we should pay attention to and address social determinants of health. So I think that's one first step. Also moving towards a more consistent and standardized way of collecting this information because you can't treat or address what you don't know, right? And so pushing for that to be a standard and to be mandatory for all healthcare providers to collect this information. And then the integration of these social services, of policy, business and economic development, all of these systems together integrating to then bring about a better health and wellness for the populace and move this from just being like optional to imperative. You have to do it now. Yeah, because it's a very important topic, especially during this month, Minority Health Month. And I think even though we recognize it during this month, it's always important and very imperative uh, moving forward. Right. Uh, but thank you, Mariat. We really appreciate thank you. Thank you, being Alec, here. for having me. Thank you. <laughs> so this has been Inside Healthcare with NTQA. I'm Alec Bose, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>